This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the Second Sunday of Advent A reading from the book of Isaiah On that day, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and of understanding, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Not by appearance shall he judge, nor by hearsay shall he decide. But he shall judge the poor with justice, and decide aright for the lands afflicted. He shall strike the ruthless with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Justice shall be the band around his waist, and faithfulness a belt upon his hips. Then the wolf shall be a guest of the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion shall browse together and a little child to guide them. The cow and the bear shall be neighbors. Together their young shall rest. The lion shall eat hay like the ox. The baby shall play by the cobra's den, and the child lay his hand on the adder's lair. There shall be no harm or ruin on all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be filled with knowledge of the Lord, as water covers the sea. On that day... The root of Jesse set up as a signal for the nations. The Gentiles shall seek out, for his dwelling place shall be glorious. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Responsorial Psalm Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. O God, with your judgment endow the king and with your justice, the king's son. He shall govern your people with justice, and your afflicted ones with judgment. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. Justice shall flower in his days, and profound peace till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. For he shall rescue the poor when he cries out, and the afflicted when he has no one to help him. He shall have pity for the lowly and the poor. The lives of the poor he shall save. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. May his name be blessed forever, as long as the sun his name shall remain. In him shall all the tribes of the earth be blessed. All the nations shall proclaim his happiness. Justice shall flourish in his time, and the fullness of peace forever. A reading from the letter to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, whatever was written previously 
was written for our instruction, that by endurance and by the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to think in harmony with one another, in keeping with Christ Jesus, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, then, as Christ welcomed you, for the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a minister of the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises to the patriarchs, but so that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he had said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruits as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Kevin, we are here with the second Sunday of Advent. Yes, we are. Second Sunday already, huh? <laughs> Time flies. And we are going to be hearing a theme of, uh, throughout our readings of ju judgment, justice, and mercy woven through our readings. Yes, but before we get into that, we have a very special feast day this coming week. Uh, December 8th is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And uh, this is what uh, Pope Pius IX wrote on 8 December 1854. Uh, he pronounced and defined that the Blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instance of her conception, by singular privilege and grace granted by God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved exempt from all stain of original sin. And that's the belief of the Immaculate Conception. And, and of course, this is actually something that's been believed by uh, and written by the Church Fathers as early as the second century. Uh, it's been celebrated all over Europe by the 12th century. And, of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary is known by several other names. The New Eve, the Queen of Heaven, the Holy Tabernacle, the Theotokos, or the God-Bearer, 
So what a wonderful celebration we'll have on December 8th. Well, and something to point out for folks to remember, this is probably one of the most misunderstood celebrations, uh, feasts in the church. It's the Immaculate Conception. And this is the time at which our Blessed Mother was conceived in the womb of her mother. Yes. So her mother, St. Anne, and her father, St. Joachim, through ordinary marital relations, she was conceived in the womb of her mother, but she was protected from the stain of original sin like the rest of us. And that's the one. People just, they they confuse the Immaculate Conception with the Incarnation, just just the wrong titles. Yeah, and it actually makes sense as well when you think about this. I mean, Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, took flesh and blood from Mary. And of course, we know that our God is stainless and and he's sinless. And and so it certainly makes sense that if he took flesh and blood from Mary, he would also need a vessel who was also uh, sinless and and preserved from any stain of sin. Um, Yep, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, let's move into the first reading, and we hear from the book of Isaiah. Uh, He's talking about, he's giving us this vision, and I want to start out by just explaining the word Advent. It means the coming of something of utmost importance. And in these verses, Isaiah shares an Advent vision of life, a world free from the devastation of war and free from disease and death, the kind of life we look forward to after the second coming of Christ. Yeah, exactly. And, and really, when we talk about that Advent vision, I'm going to try and step back and focus on that term, the stump of Jesse, and kind of walk through what that means. And then we'll see how that kind of then gets brought into the uh, that ultimate vision in that Advent. So we know, when we talk about the stump of Jesse, we know Jesse is King David's father. And this comes from Isaiah. And this time frame there, it, therefore, is Isaiah prophesied in the 8th century B.C., and well, the kings during that time generally turned away from the Lord, <laughs> and some were some were pretty terrible. And so we see the uh, lack of leadership there and the reliance on God. Ultimately, you see the Babylonian exile in 587, and really by rejecting God, that that tree was cut down. Okay, but the roots of that tree, the line of David, remained alive. And so that's when we see in this reading, I really see kind of three different. Uh, sections of this. We see that first part, that stump of Jesse, where it is the stump establishes the shoot's credibility, Jesse, David's father, and how the Messiah will come from the house of David. Then in the middle section, we see how the Messiah will come and judge with justice. And then the last section, that judging with justice will bring that peace, bring that advent towards us and that ultimate, uh, what we look forward to the second coming. So that's a little bit how we can tie some of those things together. Yeah, it's a beautiful explanation of that. And, you know, this is a vision that we should really carry with us all year long. And especially now, you know, during this Advent season, as we journey closer towards our Christmas celebration. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, on this note, and this actually, I noticed this for the first time, uh, when you talk about carrying that vision, um, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And so this actually forms the basis of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you look in your missalette this week, you are going to see that there are six gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wait. Yeah, Carla. So we're taught there's seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, yes, aren't we? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Maybe the church snuck one in there uh-huh, a little that's bit, right? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have the answer for you. So, and actually, according to the original Hebrew text, and we see that here, there are actually six gifts. Well, when we get to the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the original Hebrew text, 
that sixth one, the fear of the Lord, the Septuagint actually separates that fear of the Lord actually into two, piety and fear of the Lord. And so there are actually seven gifts. That's how it became uh, known as the seven. And uh, so there was a, that's, uh, it's not like the church was trying to sneak one in, in on us, but that's how, that's how it got separated into seven now. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And of course, Christ gave the apostles a Septuagint from, from which to uh, teach from. So that so we spent a lot of time in the first reading. That was a great first reading. We're going to hop actually into the gospel now. I love this line, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this gospel reading, uh, St. John the Baptist, he was warning the Sadducees and the Pharisees that they can't just presume that they're going to be spared from the fires of Gehenna just because their religious practices... Um, and, and because they subscribe to the teachings of Abraham. And he goes on to explain that they will be judged by the fruits they produce. Many Christians today have been taught that the only requirement for salvation is to profess a belief in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But that theory contradicts what sacred scripture says about salvation, and it overlooks the obvious. Lucifer believes that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and the fact remains that Lucifer is condemned for all eternity. That's not going to change. So the reality is this. If we're just going to go through the motions to fulfill the bare minimum of Catholic requirements, then we're really no better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this reading. We're just skipping through life, using our title as Catholics to claim an entitlement to salvation. The requirement of salvation goes so far beyond this. You know, we can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons and end up in the pit of hell. If we truly want salvation, we need to be all in. We must take our discipleship seriously and do what we are called to do. We must be fully engaged with a sincere desire to know, love, and serve God. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.